everyone. Welcome to the Internet of Things podcast. This is your host, Stacey Higginbotham, and your co-host, Kevin Tofel. And this is episode 185 of the show, and it's going to be amazing. Kevin went to the Google event yesterday. We're going to talk about all of that, or all of the smart home stuff associated with that. We're also going to talk about, I was at the Smart Kitchen Summit this week, and I have all kinds of updates on the Smart Kitchen for you. Plus, we've got new software updates for both Google and Madam A, or the Amazon Echo's digital assistant, as we like to call her. Plus, Facebook did something super nuts. And we're finally seeing a little bit of a push for privacy and security laws coming from the government for connected devices. This week, we've got a lot to cover, so we are not including a guest segment. So it's going to be Kevin and I, and then we've got our message from our sponsor, Cognizant, and then it'll be more Kevin and I. So a lot is going to happen. Stay tuned for all of it. But first, a message from one of our sponsors. This week's sponsor is Auklet. 64% of IoT consumers report problems with their IoT products. Don't waste time and money by manually identifying errors or using a tool built for a web server. Auklet tracks architecture, regional patterns, system usage, and your application to identify when, where, and what caused the error. Stop settling and start fixing problems before your customers find them. Get started today at auklet.io. That's A-U-K-L-E-T dot I-O. Okay, Kevin, let's start with the biggest news, which is probably, oh, you think Google? I think it is. We have to talk about that because I'm still reeling from the event as of yesterday. I need coffee. (laughs) Yeah, so three things were announced. Two really don't concern our audience. But the one big one that does is what we already knew was coming, or at least what we expected based on leaks, the Google Home Hub, which you can already order for $149. It is a smart display similar to the Lenovo and JBL companion products that are, they are Google hardware partners, so they're all using Android things. And this is a little different. It's cheaper than those, which is interesting, but I think I understand why now that I've actually seen and used the device. So for starters, it's hard to tell in the pictures, but it is a very small device. It's a 7-inch display. You can hold the base of it in your hand quite easily. It's just really, I think, geared towards being a smart home controlling device with a little bit of media. And I say that because the screen is not as big as the Lenovo. For example, I have the 10-inch Lenovo with a 1080p 10-inch screen. This is 7-inch and they're giving, they being Google, is giving you three months of YouTube premium with this device if you purchase it. Not YouTube TV, which is actually what I use my smart display for quite a bit. So you can certainly, you know, use this device for media, but it is really all about the new home view. And that is going to be coming to the other smart displays. Let me explain what that is. At any point in time, you can just walk up to the display. Of course, you can control your home devices by voice. But if you slide down from the top, you get a brand new home view, which shows you what's going on in the room you're currently in, such as temperature, perhaps, depending on what sensors you have installed, your lighting situation at the moment, etc. And then you have controls to everything else in the house as well. Now that... Everything old is new again. So basically, they've reinvented the fancy touchscreen, the wall-based touchscreens that like high-end 
connected homes have. Yeah, in a sense, they really have. They really have. And it basically aggregates, it gets rid of all those external apps you might be using, which you can still use for all your devices, but it just aggregates everything in one spot, which it had already done in the home mobile app. But now it's a little easier on the eye and it's a little more intuitive because you have pretty much everything you want to see where you are at the right time in one spot. Okay, so it's kind of like Home OS, which is the Apple HomeKit version of this sort of thing? In a sense, I would say yes. It's a little more contextual than that, because if I'm using the Home app on my iPhone, for example, it's not going to say, you know, what the light state is in the room I'm in. It'll show the light state for every light in the house in Home. Got it. Okay. Yes. So, so that feature will be coming to the old smart displays. They're not that old, but the Lenovo and the JBL. Additionally, it's a big interaction or rather interface with Google Assistant, of course. It will show your routines if you want, and it, you can even program the routines and include the display in those routines. So your good morning routine could, of course, show you news, weather, etc., appointments, whatever. It will automatically dim at night and you don't even need to set a routine for that. In fact, Google touted this ambient EQ, which is a light sensor. And basically, they're going to smartly reduce the brightness depending on time of day. And if you're not in the room, it's not going to do that because there's no sensor to show motion, which the other ones actually do have. If I walk in my room, the Lenovo Smart Display actually brightens up. But what Google says is they're trying to reduce the billboard effect. And what they mean is they don't want your eye drawn to a bright rectangle in the room when you walk in. They want you to look at this device when you want to look at it, when you need to look at it. So that makes a lot of sense. It's, but again, it's a fancy ambient light sensor implementation. So there's that. Um, okay, what so else? Let, me, let me ask you, because yeah. there's a lot here. It's 149. Yeah. Oh, does it have any radios like Zigbee or Z-Wave? I know that we love those in our home hubs. We love those too. And unfortunately, no. I say unfortunately for us, a lot of mainstream people who have not invested in Zigbee or Z-Wave devices, they won't care because they're not missing anything. So there's no new radios. It's Bluetooth 5.0 and 802.11 AC Wi-Fi, both 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. Okay, that's good on the Wi-Fi front, I guess. Is it, hey, Kevin, is it Wi-Fi 4 or Wi-Fi 6? <laughs> yeah, I didn't go there. <laughs> like, it's Wi-Fi 5, technically. So. Oh, is it really? What is well, that? Well, it is, is that because AC? that's the 802.11 AC is going to be okay. renamed. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm, I'm totally lost on all of those. Okay. <laughs> so for, for those of you guys who missed last week's show, they did, the Wi-Fi Alliance did create a whole new naming. Rebrand. Yeah, for Wi-Fi. Okay. Yeah. So then the big question is, you said that you've got yours and I have mine. So would you buy this? I would not for me. And that is because I like the immersive media experience provided by the larger Lenovo smart display. So if you're all in on, say, HomeKit, obviously this is not for you. If you're all in on Madam A and the Echoes, this isn't going to do much for you either unless you plan to switch away from Madam A. Because by and large, most of the same devices are supported on both of those platforms. I will confess that I actually have a better experience on Madam A, despite the fact that I'm a heavy Google Apps and Android user, because Google Apps actually works on Madam A, but because of my weird account issues, it doesn't work on the Google devices, which is right. a source of continual frustration. So I'm like, ooh, Google, I love you, but no. Yeah, obviously, if you have a G Suite account, as opposed to a regular Google account, yeah, you're going to run into that issue time and time again with your phones and 
Google Assistant in general, sure. Oh, sure. what about the Nest integration? So, well, that's that's what I was going to bring up because this is one thing you can't get with your, say, an Echo Show, for example. So, I think you have the Nest doorbell, right? I do. Okay, as do I. And you know, you can certainly go into the app today and look at see who's at the front door, et cetera, and talk to them. But when somebody rings the doorbell today, you literally have to tell a display or a device to show who's out there. What they did here is Google integrated with Nest so that anytime somebody rings your Nest doorbell, the video stream will immediately pop up unannounced. You don't have to do anything or say anything. It just pops up on the Google Home Hub. And then you can have a two-way conversation. Or if you don't want to talk to the person, there's some pre-canned responses. So you could just say, sorry, not interested. Tap that little, you don't have to say anything, actually. Just tap the sorry, we're not interested. And that's what it will say to whoever's out there. Does it say it in your voice? Do you? Yes, you pre record You don't it. record it. Yeah, oh. you, you don't record so it. So a robot's like, sorry, we are right. not interested right now. Yeah, the, Google does the voices in by color, I think, right? So. Oh, that's... The, yeah. yeah, Cyan for me would say, sorry, not interested. Yeah, okay. We're not even going there. Okay, no. so I feel like I know if I should buy this or not. That's good. And I will say... For people interested in seeing the Nest, if you have Nest gear, Nest cameras, Google has been pretty shy about sharing the camera-based APIs with other partners. So you may never get those. I'm not, Mm -hmm. this is not anything I know for a fact, but I will say that people, there are companies out there that would love access to that, but they don't get access. And this may become like a competitive advantage for Google. Yep. Yep. I would agree with that. And I don't know anything either, but I suspect you're right. I think this is a platform play for Google. And I mean, after you spent 3.2 billion on Nest, I would imagine that makes a lot of sense. So. Oh dear. Yeah. Okay. But, um, one other quick thing, only because this relates to something else that was announced yesterday. For those who use the, or will use the Google Home Hub or any other smart display for photos, because it integrates with Google Photos and you can just view albums all day long on the devices. They have added uh, live albums and using their search smarts, you can say, I want to see pictures of Norm, my dog, or, you know, my wife, my husband, whatever. It will search through your photos and create a live album and show those on the display of the Google Home Hub. As you add more photos of that person or pet, not to the album, it will automatically add them to that album for you for the Google Home (gasps) Hub, which I thought was cool. That's lovely. Yes. And as it relates to something else that's sort of related, not quite our audience, the Pixel 3 XL has a new Pixel stand, which is a wireless stand to charge your Pixel 3 or 3 XL. When you put the phone on the charger, it can show you photo albums also on the phone and will show you the Nest camera from the doorbell when that phone is sitting there. So it kind of becomes a mini smart display with very limited functionality. That's kind of cool. Not that, well, actually, I don't bring my phone everywhere in the house. So that might be perfect for me if I were going to buy the Pixel 3. Could I get a software update for my original, or not my original Pixel, my Pixel 2? I don't know about that. I think they're touting this as a Pixel 3 function. A pox on there, people. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move. Actually, before we move on beyond Google, there's there's one other thing. GE announced some smart light bulbs, the C by GE lights. And I'm just going to say this straight up. GE has the world's most confusing connected light bulb strategy I have ever encountered. They have branded this these lights. I have owned a variation of the GE connected lights that were not great at all. 
And then they went out and they rebranded or launched new lights that were focused on circadian rhythms or auto tuning according to the day. And they had a, a night version that you were a night bulb and a daytime bulb. So the idea was you would put like the night bulb in your bedside table and the daytime bulb maybe at your desk. And I thought that was confusing and strange as well. But now, and that was under the C brand, and this is the letter. C is in Charlie, right? Yes. And so now they have the Google C. C. (laughs) (laughs) So these new Google C lights are Bluetooth-based, much like their previous C bulbs. And I, they ought to, I mean, when you screw them in, the and you have a Google Home Hub, they're going to automatically be detected. I'm not sure what the network authentication process is, if it's like a barcode, if it's some sort of weird handshake, but these are getting, these sorts of automatic discovery are becoming more common. Amazon actually showed a lot of that off last month at its fun, exciting, we launched 70 things in one day kind of event. But I'm I'm still not keen on Bluetooth-based lights. I know Bluetooth mesh makes this better. I still, yeah, I still remember like being able to like walk downstairs and suddenly losing the ability to control my lights. And that was just kind of sucky. So I'm curious about this one. Yeah, I'm curious too. I mean, this is all, and this kind of goes with the theme of yesterday's event with the Google Home Hub, although these work with any Google Home product, you know, a mini, et cetera. It's all about simplicity. And that's helpful for mainstream people who are just getting started in the smart home or haven't gotten started at all. So that's what they're going for here. Literally, you plug these in and they just go into the Google Home app and they say, and start controlling. That's it. So I think that's great. I'm curious as you are about, you know, the implementation of that from a security standpoint. I don't think you're scanning anything. I don't think you do anything but plug these in and power them up. But And Google has, I mean, Google has my Wi-Fi credentials, but Maybe they're running through the phone. Anyway, I did send them an email and we'll try to figure that out for you guys because that's how dedicated we are to the nitty gritty of the smart home. Also related to Google. This is a story that I wrote last week. I had been working on this for a little while, but I'm going to tout it a little bit. I had been hearing from smart home device makers that Walmart, if you wanted to be sold in Walmart, you needed to have support for Google. And if you had only Madam A support, they were like, come back when you can support Google. And I talked to six different people. They all confirmed this was true. Walmart still has not gotten back to me on this. I'm kind of losing hope on that ever happening. But, you know, maybe, maybe. And the other thing is that was universal was that if you support Madam A, that's fine, but don't emphasize that. Maybe put that on the side of the box or the back of the box. And then I talked to some other people who said that they were actually encouraged to move their operations off of AWS, Amazon Web Services, and they were also encouraged to not use a smart home hub. Hmm. So, and, and this makes sense. I mean, we're talking about simplicity. We're talking about normal people. That's kind of, I think the theme of this year would be the normalization of the smart home, not like for like my mom and dad are not like, oh, the smart home is normal, but it's prepping it to become normal. So making it so normal people can adopt it. That is big strides this year. And closing the loop on this about the normalcy, normal people don't know or care about Zigbee and Z-Wave, but normal people pretty much know about Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. And I think that's really where there's getting rid of the hub that's coming from and keeping the product simpler and using those two radios. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think there will always be room in a market for the foreseeable future for Zigbee and Z-Wave. 
It's just, that's like you're leveling up at that point. Yeah. All right. While we're on this topic of simplicity, Amazon released a new software update for Madam A. And I downloaded it. I always have the worst experience with my Madam A app. I'll be honest here. Even actually, when I had the Amazon guy over to like pimp my house, basically see what he said, he was like, gosh, your app runs so slowly. And I think it's because I have a lot of devices on there. But I love the new interface. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I updated it on my phone. And it's actually kind of similar to what Google's going for with their home view on the Google Home Hub. It's more of an aggregator of here's all your devices, here's all your groups and rooms. You can even see what skills you have in your smart home. I like it so far. It's visually very pleasing to me. I often find these apps to be just kind of very bright. And this is a very low-key, relaxing, pastel-y color. I don't know if that if you saw the same, but it was the first thing that jumped out at me, quite honestly. And then everything's yes. very well organized, I think. Yes, it's like dark blue, and then the, it's a brighter blue, but it's not like a super bright blue. It's very, it's just chill. Seafoam green, there's a nice purple. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the color palette did actually jump. I was like, oh, that's a little weird. All right. It actually kind of felt a little old-fashioned. It reminded me of color palettes I saw in smart home things back in like 2013. I think Peak which was Best Buy's Smart Home Hub, had a similar color palette. Wait, I am talking about color palettes. Let's talk about grouping. <laughs> um, like, Yeah, because that's, that's important with this app, the groupings. <laughs> like, what is happening here? This is an area where Amazon has always excelled. They let you put, you can have as many groups as you want. I have about half a dozen, which might be why my app runs so slow. And I put, I have a Christmas grouping. I have a downstairs grouping. I have groupings for my rooms. And here's a pro tip for you guys, because I recently had a Hue light bulb just go offline. I don't know why. It just happens. So I had to delete that bulb and then re-add it. And I re-added it in the Hue app because, you know, got to do that. And then I had to delete the old bulb from the Amazon Echo app and then put the new one into groups. And I realized that I had had a living room group. But then when I created my downstairs grouping, which is all of my lights downstairs, instead of adding the room groups to that routine, I had added the things individually. Is this too convoluted for everyone? Are we following this? <laughs> Hence the simplicity factor everybody's going for these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, good Lord. So the point is you can add things to a routine. You can add a group to your routine. So from now on, I'm creating like, hey, that's the living room group. And now I'm just putting that whole group into my routine. So I went back and redid all my routines around that because if something happens, you can just swap one thing out in one place. Right. And that makes sense from a contextual standpoint, because let's say you have a movie night routine in the living room. Everything in the living room is going to be affected, or most everything. The lights perhaps might dim, the TV might come on, the fire TV, etc. Perhaps you even have a connected speaker system and that fires up and then it tunes everything to, say, Netflix. So that makes sense that you can just do everything at once with a group. Do you think it's worth it to set Netflix movie night or Amazon Prime movie night? I actually have had this debate in my house. This is how sad our house is. <laughs> How specific I, should our movie night be? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I'm okay with picking and choosing from my TV screen what I what service I want to watch. And we have like three or four of them, so I'm right there with you. But yeah, we bounce around. It's by show for us, quite okay, honestly. You're like, let it go, Stacy. Let it go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So um, related, before we get off that topic, Google's Home app was also updated. And if you want a peek at what the Home view looks like on the Hub, it's the same cohesive interface on the new Google Home app. And I really like what's been done here. In fact, I like it better than the Madam A app refresh. Okay. Yeah, no, I like it. It's brighter. It's got lovely things. I love being able to like turn the light on, make it brighter, make it dimmer, change the color. Like all of that is really very nice. Very yeah, nice. Simple, simple to get to. Simple to get to. So. so I do wonder though, is that, again, is that a function of the Google engineers coming up with that? Or is that for devices that are a little weird or off that might not be in there? Do you get to pick your own or how does that work? How do those visual elements transfer over if that makes sense? Right. That? Yeah. Would a manufacturer have some say with their API and so on? I presume that Google knows that, you know, this is a, maybe a tunable bulb and therefore we need this interface. My guess is they know the attributes somehow through the APIs to dynamically show the correct control. But I don't have a ton of those unique type devices, so I couldn't say for sure. Well, I am still traveling, but after this week, I will be home and I'll go check that out. I'll be like, here's my weird connected device. What do you think it is? Because I really think Amazon nailed it when they talked about having, you know, mode, range, and on-off toggle. I think that's a really good way to start thinking about these things. So on-off toggle, range is volume, maybe it's lighting colors, and then mode is anything specific to a device. Like in lights, it might be a scene. In a washing machine, it might be permanent press clothes. So, okay. Before we get started talking about everything else, because there's a whole lot more, including Smart Kitchen and Facebook, let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. This week's sponsor is Cognizant. Hey everyone, we are taking a break from the Internet of Things podcast for a message from our sponsor. This week's sponsor is Cognizant, and I have with me again today, Frank Antisami, Global Markets Leader for IoT at Cognizant. Frank we talked last week about how Cognizant is helping companies connect the physical and digital worlds with IoT. Can you share any success stories on this? Absolutely. We're all familiar with supermarkets, right? How large they are today and the selections, anything you want. But we as shoppers don't even think about what it takes to keep all that food fresh and safe in the supermarkets. But for the retailer, they're required to. This is where digital connectivity was vastly helpful for us at one of our large retail clients. They asked Cognizant to help reduce food wastage of several million dollars a year, reduce energy consumption, and ensure consumer food safety. Wow. Okay. That's important. So this was a big retailer, had a big problem. How did you guys help them? In small chunks. We worked with a customer with their IT and business teams to uncover that there are thousands of fleets of refrigeration systems where one of the problems responsible for millions in food wastage. Apparently, alarms in these refrigeration systems would trigger a malfunction when it arose on any of the stores. But it reached the maintenance operations in the store 36 hours later, and that is way too long. There was no mechanism to proactively monitor refrigeration systems or respond timely with a service call. You can only imagine what that means for food safety. Food has to be disposed of immediately. We talked about thousands of refrigerators and freezers, and it's also a massive waste of energy. Ah, so is the solution IoT? The solution is reduction in food and energy wastage, but using IoT. This is a real IoT solution. And Cognizant is deploying this at scale. What I mean by scale is accelerating a pilot to full-scale production of thousands of refrigerators and hundreds of stores with 600 million data points across the country. 
to help our client proactively monitor equipment health, reduce energy consumption, and keep food safe. It's not a simple problem to solve by any means. I mean, it required our team to retrofit a connected refrigerator to send data to a cloud platform that we implemented and then apply advanced analytics so that a central control team can respond in real time to insights. The results are amazing. We reduced priority response times from 36 hours down to five hours, aiming to reduce 40% in food wastage in the coming year. And with proactive maintenance, our clients will continue to keep their customers food safe. This is just one example and why we are one of the leading IoT service providers in the world. We deliver IoT at scale. That was a great example. I'll look forward to hearing more Cognizant customer success stories next week. In the meantime, Frank, where can we go to find out more about Cognizant? You can go to our website at cognizant.com slash IoT, and it has all the details about this and several other case studies. Okay, we have almost exhausted smart home, smart displays, but not quite yet. Big news. And I'm going to say something that underlies the need for trust in the space is Facebook launched a, I don't even know, a display that has a camera that tracks you and you can call people on it. And I don't know it, why anyone would put this in their home. And it has an assistant integration too. It does. It so does. Kevin, how comfortable would you be with this in your home? Let me think about that. Not at all. I'm kidding. I'm not even thinking. Not at all. Basically, this is the new portal from Facebook, which is the, oh gosh, it's, we've been talking about a, some type of smart device from them for quite some time. It's, again, similar to, say, a smart display or an Echo Show, but it's a little bit more limited in that it's really meant for video calls. So obviously, there's a camera on here, and I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for Facebook who already has, I'd say, is probably one of the least trusted large companies with personal information. This, mm. this is what trips me out. People still ask me, they're like, hey, you know how when you talk about something and then you get an ad for it on Facebook? Are they listening yep. in on your phone? In this case, I mean, again, so if you can imagine, you know, that put in your house, I mean, no one's going to do that, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> not with Facebook. I mean, I wouldn't say no one's not going to do it, but I've, I've had fewer people are going to do it with them versus with Amazon or Google, in my opinion. So the question um, is, it, hmm? why did they release this? I am not sure, quite honestly, because it is really limited. I mean, yes, it, it's got to be always listening because there is a Madam A integration and they're going to add a Google integration in the future. It doesn't even, it's not like you can use Facebook Messenger to talk to people, et cetera. It's literally just a video type device with an always listening assistant. And it's not cheap either. No. It's $199 for the 10-inch display and $350 for a 15.6-inch display that rotates from portrait to landscape. I mean, it's like a big old slab of a tablet. It's telepresence. Sitting there. Yeah. Telepresence from Facebook. You know, all your corporate and family secrets exposed and optimized (laughs) for advertising. And on the product page, they have, you know, here's the all the features and then privacy is one of the big points. And this I just don't see it. This is the company that asked us for our phone numbers for two-factor authentication and then used that phone number for right. marketing. I mean, this is not a company. And I, I don't honestly know. I mean, I feel like in the media, we dog on Facebook a lot because we see this, but I don't actually know how many normal, like truly normal people who are outside this world, They, I feel like they have a vague distrust, but they may not understand the actual 
you know, is it evil? It's certainly Machiavellian of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, there's a trust issue because of what they've done with data and then got basically caught doing. But to their credit, I mean, they are trying here from a privacy standpoint, they're saying you can completely disable the camera microphone with a single tap, or you can block the camera lens with the provided camera cover. So there's that. Then they also say they don't listen to, view, or keep your video calls. Everything stays between you and the person you talk to. The smart camera uses AI that runs locally, not on their servers. And by smart camera, this is actually pretty cool tech. It follows people basically, you know, around the room and keeps them in focus and so on. So that's nice. I, I like that. But nice. they don't use facial recognition nor identify who you are. So, so they say. And uh, they only send the voice commands to their servers after you say the hot word, which is a portal. No. No. Okay. I didn't sell you on it then. Okay. But I see why they need to do it. They have to do something on mobile, right? They had to do some, so a couple years back, they were all in on mobile because people were like, uh, no one goes to the web anymore to check this. So if you think about we're moving to a world without screens or that we don't look at the screens or utilize the screens on our pockets, it does become important to have communication or a way into the home and where people are going to spend time trying to like, again, connect, which is what their fundamental mission is. Okay, right. so I get, and I get why they did it. I still think it was just kind sure. of turned off. And okay. I get it too, because they missed the boat in terms of mobile. They actually tried to do a quote-unquote Facebook phone with HTC, and that totally bombed. Oh, yeah. And now they're trying to do their Facebook portal in the home before it's too late. So I get it too, but I can tell you, no way will I buy one. Not a chance. Nope. Okay, so... Outside of crazy Facebook screens, I am going to tell you about the number, the incredible number of screens I saw at the Smart Kitchen Summit. So every year- Kitchens don't need screens. What are you talking about? Like your kitchen could actually end up with more screens than, I'm like, an editing Than day. any other room in the house. <laughs> mm -hmm. So- this is an event. This is the fourth year that this event's happened. I love going to it because, you know, I love to cook. I love smart home. It's it's everything. Free food. And food. There is always food there. Delicious food. I actually ate 3D printed dragon fruit juice hmm. that was kind of like a juicy gummy. I don't even know. It was 3D printed liquids, which was just bonkers and cool. Neat. You are not going to buy this device, but it was neat that it existed. 3D uh, printed beef jerky. No, no, that's not a liquid. I know. Sprite. Imagine 3D printed Sprite. You do have to get the consistency right. Okay. We're not talking about that. <laughs> we are talking about screens everywhere. So I saw a smart cooktop where it was a cooktop, a glass kind of cooktop induction range, I'm assuming. And it had a TV in it. So like while you were cooking, you could look down and watch things happen. And it was actually also a touchscreen, which I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, maybe not a great idea to combine your cooktop and range and everything together in a touch screen. But, you know, it happens. No, but I could see watching, you know, afternoon cooking shows and actually following along cooking right there and just doing what they're doing. Yeah, just avoiding the hot spot. Yes. Yes. So that is one place where you might one day or you have the option where you could have a screen. The other is if you look up from your cooktop, you'll have a vent, right? Most homes have a vent. Range hood. Mm -hmm. Range hood. Also, GE was showing off... This was a huge screen, like 20 inches. It was very large. Covered the whole range hood, and the range hood had a camera in, so you could see both. It had a camera on the top of the thing, so it could like look at you and get your kitchen view, but it also had a camera underneath the range hood that also got whatever you were cooking. 
And it was, it had the full internet they were showing, but I thought that was really interesting. Mostly it was an Android based thing. So there was Google Duo on it, calling my mom on Duo and being like, mom, is the sauce done yet? What consistency should this have? I thought that would be really interesting. I could see something similar used in restaurants. Yeah. Between the cooks and the head chef and, you know, maybe the head waiter, et cetera. Yeah. And if you could get actually some AI in there, it'd be like, hey, there's plenty of sear on that steak. Flip it. You know, something like that could be interesting. So that was another screen. And then there was the everyone's favorite, the refrigerator screen. And then there's all these smart devices. I mean, the Lenovo tablet and the Echo Show are basically like the kitchen TVs in my house. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, Kevin, I felt kind of exhausted by all the screens and expensive. Good Lord. Sure. So that was, that was one thing. And it, it felt like, and this makes sense because in the kitchen, voice is awesome because your hands are dirty, right? You're like, oh, I can tell things. But you're also like, if you're going to follow a recipe or do anything, you do actually want to see it. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of the projector approach as opposed to this, because you could move and navigate with gestures, not touch anything, you know, or if you did touch like your countertop, because maybe the recipe video was being shown on your countertop, it's okay. That countertop's going to get messy anyway. I would not want like greasy fingers all over a touchscreen device. Yes. And I actually asked some people about projection and they were not keen on it. And I was really bummed about that because Bosch actually showed it off at IFA. And in the kitchen, I actually think projectors, A, they're more economical. They don't break as much. I mean, GE showed off these like little vents to keep the grease off your range hood. But is anyone who's ever like had to clean their range hood, that sucker is like a grease magnet. I don't want a camera or a beautiful screen there. No, I I would love to see somebody basically create a projector for almost like a can light, an overhead light for my kitchen island, for example. Yeah. Or just even, I mean, there are many projectors that you could just pop on the top of a the Facebook portal, for example, or like a Madame A speaker that's tall, not the short squatty one. But yeah, we'll see. So that was kind of the big takeaway. They also had wireless power powered counters. I don't know. <laughs> <why>. <laughs> so the, what? we've got a wireless power standard. Finally, it's the Qi standard. It's the same standard we use, you know, to charge our phones. Now they're doing a high-powered version of that standard to power things like blenders or food processors or, I don't know, coffee grinders, whatever, kitchen appliances, George Foreman grills. So what they're showing off is this built into a countertop. And it is kind of neat because they'll just, they had a special, Philips and Hire are making appliances for this right now. But they just pulled out like a Philips food chopper thingy, stuck it on there and it went, And you're like, whoa, whoa, Hmm. neat. No cord. No cord. Look, Ma, no cord. So that actually was kind of neat. I would like that. Basically, your whole food prep space could also be a cooktop. You know, you're not limited to very specific cook spots. So wait, I haven't even told people about that yet, Kevin. Oh, oh, they have that. So they have that. Oh, yes. (gasps) So I want that again. Wireless charging is induction, which anyone who's like been in a high-end kitchen, induction cooktops are all the rage. You do need a special pan. So they've done two things. In the future, it would be possible with the right kind of counter surface and pan to actually just put the pan on the countertop and it would heat up and you could just cook on your counter. What they're showing off now is a, it's like a coaster looking device. It's this one inch thick device and it has the the circle on it so you know where to put your pan. 
But yeah, so you just pop that anywhere on your counter where it has this higher wattage power and you can cook. It's Mm. crazy. It's bananas. So I was kind of keen on this. I thought it was neat. I don't see it happening for another five or six. I mean, the standard is not even going to be finalized till the middle of next year, but I'm keeping an eye on that. Considering how long it's taken the cheese standard to evolve and become the de facto, which is, we're talking at least 10 years. I I would agree with you. We're probably a half a decade out from real implementations here. Which is a bummer. All right. Yeah. A couple other things I saw there that were worth mentioning. One, and you're going to see this in the newsletter, you guys. So sign up for the newsletter if you don't. But a lot of y'all asked me about this robot cooking device called the Rotimatic. It makes rotis, which is a South Asian flatbread. And it also makes tortillas or pizza dough. So this is a, and guys, this is a $1,000 robot um, that sits in your kitchen. It's fairly large. It's, yeah, it's pretty large. But you just put all the ingredients on top and this sucker makes a little ball of dough. It moves it around a whole bunch and then it makes it go down into this cavity and squishes it flat. And then it lets it puff up, which is important in rotis. And then it bakes it. And slides it out like a printer. It's like a printer tray. You're like, <laughs> your flatbread comes whoop, down the chute. So out of paper, roti jam, roti jam. So I would say they've sold 40,000 of these. That is a Whoa. lot of these. I know. And they don't even sell it in India. They sell it only in the US, UK and parts of Asia. Whoa. So, yeah. Check that out because the video is pretty freaking phenomenal. And the company's been doing this a long time. It took a lot of effort to get to there. And then the June oven, Kevin's in my favorite oven, they um, did an update that ties them into Whole Foods all of a sudden. So there's a Whole Foods button now on your June oven, which might be brilliant marketing. I can't decide. But it will bake the 365 brand pizzas. There's some sweet potato puffs. There's all kinds of things that you can just click the button and it automatically has the cook settings for. Hmm. It's a little clunky because it's kind of a long list you go through. I don't know how automated this could be. I mean, it might be better if you could scan a barcode or if it actually recognized the things, but how would it know that it's a 365 branded frozen pizza once it gets in there? (laughs) So yeah, barcode scanning, I guess. I don't know. Well, they don't have a way to scan the barcode unless you're going to do it on the app. Mm. And you know, that could be, I don't even have the June app installed on my, my, my husband does. Yeah. He can have it on my watch. I have it on my phones. You're nuts. You're nuts. Yeah, but I like to know who's doing what in my house, when, especially when I'm not there. I'll be out running at night, and all of a sudden, somebody fires up the junior, like, hmm, really? See it on my watch. What's You're going like, on? What are they? Who's making a cake in there? Hey. So. Well, sometimes they make stuff, and I come home, and everything's cleaned up, and the food is, like, missing, gone. Like, I didn't get any. Yeah. So, yeah, I got to keep an eye on that. I see. Okay. Yeah, June, the oven for controlling parents everywhere. All right. So those were two things I saw there that were pretty cool. I also ate food from the Brava oven. It is an oven that cooks with light, crazy light, amounts of lights. Mm-hmm. And the food so, so no heat comes off of it? No, no. The light is the heat. Heat and light are interchangeable. No, no. I, no, I get that. Yes. But like when we're using our June oven, like you can feel some heat. It's pretty well insulated, but you can still feel some heat. I just wonder if it's any different from an outside experience. Oh, I didn't touch the oven. So oh. I don't know. I'm so sorry. That That's is a okay. strange question. But yeah, okay. I, I touch the June all the time. Good June. Nice June. Okay, we're going to move right along for <laughs> Kevin caressing his oven to a story in the New York Times, which is a column by Farhad Manju about the IoT. And I took away two things from this. One, 
I felt like he is a good barometer of where the rest of the country is, right? And I was kind of surprised yes. that people were like just coming around to the fact that people want to put computers and everything and connect them to the internet. Because I feel like we've been talking about that for years. We have, but we're niche, fringe, dare I say, radical technologists in that regard. I wow, I've never been in the fringe radical technologist category. I feel like woo, but yep. finally, I guess he's talking to people about privacy and security. And so he talked to Bruce Schneier, who you know every year you know we get some mainstream publication talking to him and realizing that this is a really bad idea to put computers and everything and connect them to the internet without any sort of safety standards. So I'm hopeful in light of the privacy hearings that are going on now, and in light of this particular column, that we might almost be to the point where we can get some privacy and some cybersecurity standards around connected devices that are legit, especially since California did just pass their law. So I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, and I know this isn't going to happen, but in an ideal world, all the big companies involved here would get together and say, we need to work on this together because it's a problem for all of us. The issue there is you know, they want the data, of course, so they want it. They don't necessarily want all these regulations and controls in place. But again, in an ideal world, I would like to see them do this as opposed to what I expect will happen is the government or governments will try and do this, and they will do it probably wrong, and they will take too long to do it. So I'm actually worried that the government will work with these guys, and they will do two things. One, they will just outsource the writing of this legislation to like Facebook and Google and Amazon, and they'll fight it out amongst themselves. And we'll get something, but not much as individual consumers. And I worry that they'll leave out like whole swaths of industry where our data is being collected and used in ways that are a little disconcerting. So, you know, they'll leave out data yeah. brokers. They won't think about right. like, hey, John Hancock's now pricing insurance based on Fitbit data. Should we check that that data is actually accurate and means something? Like how actuarially effective is that? I don't know. I think you are, your fears are valid. I would love to see it. And I don't know what the official name of the group is, the Consumer Protection Group, whatever. I, I don't so know the exact name, I met someone, but they should be involved. Yeah. I met someone today who's working with Consumer Reports and the Open Technology Initiative, OTI, and they are actually trying to create some rules around this. So stay tuned for more on that because I'm going to be talking to them about where that's heading and what we need to have. Feel free to like share your opinions on this too, guys, because good Lord, mm -hmm. it's, it would be no laws are bad, but having the wrong law or enshrining a terrible law would be even worse. Could be worse. Yeah. So, okay. We have talked for a long time, Kevin. We have, we have. just one more thing. I know what it is. All right. You want to introduce it? Sure. It is this week's call from the IoT podcast hotline, which is brought to you by Schlage. With a variety of stylish and secure electronic locks to choose from, smarter homes start with Schlage. Learn more at schlage.com slash IOT. And I have to tell you guys that you did a great job there, Kevin. That was good. Thank you. We are still doing a Schlage contest. So you should know that you could win a Schlage Sense smart deadbolt and Wi-Fi adapter if, if you call us at 512-623-7424 and ask us your questions. And so let us move to this week's question, which is from, who is this from? Ryan. Ryan. Hi, guys. Ryan from Marietta, California. 
In addition to a smart doorbell, I'd like to add outdoor cameras to my smart home. However, access to power outlets isn't going to be easy. Wondering if you had any tips and tricks for power to outdoor cameras from inside the home, or if there are any products that could help convert, say, a light socket to a power outlet. Thank you. Fill the show. Oh, Ryan, this is a really good question. And it's also, mm-hmm. it's mostly good because it's really easy to answer. <laughs> On the security <laughs> front, security camera front, there are the Arlo cameras, which you can purchase. And there are two versions. Well, there are more than two versions, but the versions you're going to be looking for are the wire-free ones. And they have a cheaper one that is battery powered. I'm not going to recommend you go with that. I'm going to recommend you go with the more expensive one that has a rechargeable battery pack. And the reason why is because the batteries on this thing run out like nuts. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But they're good cameras. They're weather weather safe. They're I love them. I'm like, I don't know what else to say about them. If you don't want to do that and you want to stay in the same ecosystem, my advice to you is going to be Ring because they have their stick-up cams that they have wireless ones, but they also have a doorbell. They have two doorbells, actually, the older model and then a newer model that is battery powered. So you don't have to actually wire it to anything. Right. It's the video doorbell. The old one is $99 and the new video doorbell two is $199. That has a quick release battery, which is nice. Yes. I do like those quick release batteries and you can buy extra batteries and just leave them charging and just swap them out, which is what I think people do. So those are your two, like those are the two most vetted options. I've tried all of that gear and it's pretty good more than pretty good. It's really good. I mean, the ring is a quality doorbell. So if you have a front door that gets some sunlight, ring even sells a solar trickle charger for the video doorbell too. Oh yeah. And for the cameras actually. Hmm. So, so yes, I forgot about that solar panel. I had that in my part of my review kit, but I never tried it because yeah, it's $50 to add that. It kind of fits around the entire base of the video doorbell too. And then there's little solar panels on the top of it. So there you go. So good options for you, Ryan, or anybody else who's looking for wireless cameras outside your house and wireless doorbells. And we actually do get that question fairly often because a lot of people don't have power to run for these, or maybe there's no outlet nearby, or you don't want to have a long cord, you know, right next to your front door, for example, to connect your doorbell or your camera or whatever it is. So it's a great question. And we do get this one a lot. I will say this is important for your wireless cameras. It might be thrilling to be like, oh my God, I could totally stick this up in a tree or someplace crazy, which is actually what I did with my first Arlo. And then when the batteries ran out after like a month and a half, I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So consider access to batteries when you're placing your cameras. That's my big word of advice for you. Okay, Kevin, excellent show this week. I feel like so much has happened and we covered Mm -hmm. a lot of it. And for all of our listeners, thank you so much for being a part of the show and listening and submitting your voicemails. And if you want more IoT news, you can find it at stacyoniot.com or you can sign up for my newsletter. If you want more of Kevin, you can find him also on stacyoniot.com or on aboutchromebooks.com. Thanks. Have a great week, you guys. (music) Thank <music> you.